It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Welcome to another episode of Cause Monday here on the Hive Sports. I'm your host, Jake Sorensen, hanging out with our um, leader, Dan Olson. How you doing, Dan? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Um, glad to have you on, and I'm really excited to talk this week about BYU football and um, some schedule things there. Um, it's been a really eventful past couple of weeks with name, image, and likeness and a couple other things around the college football landscape, and it's shaping up pretty good for some of our, our local guys. Um, I, uh, I wanted to touch base um, like we have the past couple of weeks about our social media with uh, BYU football this week and just BYU in general, and one of the aspects is name image, name, image, and likeness, excuse me, and then we'll talk about some schedule things for the away games this year. Um, And so just to kind of touch base on the first things that I saw this week, Dan and I were talking a little bit before the show um, about some of the coolest ones. And I think that one of my favorite ones is that local chapstick company up there in Idaho that signed, um, it was Tyler Batty and I think Cash Peterman um, to that first deal there with, with, I think, I can't even remember. It's a chapstick company though. What were your thoughts on that uh, name, image, and likeness signing with those, those guys? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I, I, I was, you know, as always, I'm checking on Twitter. And, and by the way, while we're talking about social media, make sure to, to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search out the Hive Sports. Um, but, yeah, now that I got that plug-in out of the way. Um, yeah, Tyler and, and what was the other one you said? I think it was Cash Peterman. Yeah, yeah. So the, the it, it looked kind of cool that they were um, – that. They sell the chapstick in like some type of gun powder shell, like something, something cool like that. It was pretty unique. So, um, and at first, like some people were saying, like, oh, well, they these guys don't have very many followers on Twitter, like these BYU and uh, these BYU players. But 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 once they understand the whole landscape, like they have quite, they had quite a bit of followers, and they got a lot of likes on social media. Like once they posted it, because I mean, people naturally see it on Twitter that it's announced, and so they. They go and like follow them and like them and and I, and I think that 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 was great for them, them just being the first ones. I think that they're gonna um, that that the um, chaps is gonna profit off of it. I think there's gonna be some BYU fans that want to you know support support the players because the better the the company does, the more they want to invest in these players. Absolutely. All these companies that are trying to like some of these player management companies that are starting to get involved with local recruits and local players in the state rather. And then also I've been noticing, uh, I think it was Rex Chapman on Twitter. He's a real estate guy. He's like, Hey, how can I get some BYU guys to support um, some stores that I own? And I want to be one of the first ones to help out. So it's, it's kind of cool to see these local businesses really rally around these athletes and especially some Cougars to start off with the the state. And it is kind of interesting. Some of the ones that are not as big a name per se, but have a really strong social media following. They just, they were in social media before the name image likeness, and they've been able to kind of capitalize on that um, presence within social media um, to start off the, the, the name image likeness stuff. I'm uh, really excited for them knowing a really cool development with college athletes to be able to have access to, to some extra money through their, their name image and, and obviously their likeness. And hopefully some of them will get on EA sports when it comes out. But um, 
The other cool thing um, this week that we noticed on BYU social media, they actually, in addition to their um, Built for Life campaign, um, they did this thing with Built Bar where they had some of these retro helmets. Uh, Not retro, I guess, per se. It's like a new concept helmet. There was one of them that was like a pink metallic BYU helmet that they'd use in October during their breast cancer awareness game. And then there's another one that was like this Polynesian, um, like cultural tattoo look on the helmet. Um, and they were like throwing the built bars at the, I think it was another one with Cash Peterman um, throwing the, the built bars at each other. But it's kind of cool to see how some of these businesses are marketing now with these schools and, and really taking advantage of that. Um, just to switch gears a little bit, one other thing that was on social media this week was the offensive line had this picture. It's like where it all starts. You see all these offensive linemen getting in reps with their off-season practices and summer workouts. And like I mentioned in previous weeks, that's like one of the most inspiring things to me as a fan, just to see um, how they're integrating different areas of the game. And then there was another one with like Hinkley Ropati that had um, him like in the decked out in his gear, his, um, his uniform and everything. So there was just like some really cool social media stuff this week. And they were talking about how they were going to have some upcoming video board um, videos being shot. And they even had one with um, Jacob Conover actually um, spinning a football and doing some really cool angles with, with the ball. So I'm really excited to kind of see what the, what the social media and the billboards and all that looks like in the fall with marketing, really, really cool off season stuff on that side of things. But um, let's kick it off. Let's uh, let's kick it off with the Vegas classic and, and talk a little bit about that, that Arizona game since we're going through the away game schedules. Um, what are your, your, your things that you're looking forward to since I know you're going to that game down there in Vegas, Dan, and then some of the things you're maybe nervous about when BYU takes on Arizona um, down there in, in Vegas. Yeah, so before that, I just kind of want to j- just lay it, lay it all down on the so we're so we're going to be talking about the six um away games and just kind of I want to kind of talk about the order of like easiest to toughest. Now, I think the BYU at Arizona, I mean, it's a neutral field, but it is the first one. Um I think Arizona isn't the greatest opponent, but I mean that they're there will be some pressure, and I think Arizona w- wants to to show up because they've been embarrassed. Well, not embarrassed. It was they were close games, but they still lost to BYU in games where they were. In some of those games in sixteen and eighteen, I feel like Arizona was favored because they had a lot of off season hype, and so now they don't have the hype. So they just have that chip on their shoulder. Maybe with the new coach, they want to prove them wrong. Um, and BYU's got a lot of turnovers, so. Um, it'll be on ESPN at, oh, it says 8.30 p.m. now. I thought it was 7.30, so that's, like, really close to the Aggie kickoff. So I will say I'm a little nervous. I, I might not be able to see much of the Aggie game that night, but it's on Pac-12 Network anyway, so it's hard to watch those. <laughs> um, I was going to say the toughest game, I think that um, at Baylor the week after Boise State is going to be the toughest, and then closely followed by USC. I think those are the two toughest ones. And then you might call me a little bit of a homer. I think that BYU at Utah State is a tougher game than Arizona. I think the Aggies are going to come back and be um, but, but better. And and BYU might, might almost be looking ahead to Boise State because, I mean, they'll probably – hopefully they'll beat um, USF. And so uh, I think that Utah State one is probably the third hardest. But, like, yeah, still not as good as Baylor and USC. But, like – 
some of these, like Washington State and Arizona, and like to be honest, like that's the bottom of the Pac-12 South and North last year, I think. So, um, and then Georgia Southern, I I don't know. The triple option could be tough. So m- maybe have Arizona ahead of Georgia Southern. Um, let's see, did I miss any? No, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, I'd have like Arizona in kind of that bottom tier with Washington State and Georgia Southern. Like, let like they a lot of those games. I feel like BYU should win those games, but I don't know. I could see BYU having maybe a hiccup against one of those three. Uh, what What are your thoughts on on the on the road schedule as a whole? Yeah, I, I actually do agree with you. I think Arizona actually might be their easiest game of the year. Um, the only reason I'm going that way is because, like we mentioned before, Arizona's on a downward trend. You you don't turn around a recruiting class in, in one year. And I think it'll take maybe two or three for them to actually get back to a really solid um, state. And I, I don't feel like they, just based on what I've been watching some of the people they brought in as their recruits, they're great recruits, right? They're three-star guys. They're, they're the middle of the pack kind of guys. Like maybe who BYU was picking up when Kalani first came in when there was a little bit unknown. And then those guys developed into, into really star players. I mean, some of them were even like not even um, in the, the rankings for, for high school players, but I just, I didn't, I wasn't as impressed with Arizona's um, class that they had signed a few years back. Um, nor last year's and I think it's going to take some time to to really build that and then I actually put um, as my second um, easiest game I I did put Utah State not only um, just because I they're a rivalry but I I feel like they're going to be better but I do feel like there is still some sort of um, development and growth that's going to have to come I don't think they're going to turn around their defense overnight and I think that's going to be their biggest challenge um, I, I really think their offense is going to shine, but I think their defense is going to struggle. And I think the BYU defense will be good enough to at least corral a little bit um, the Utah State offense. Um, my third toughest game, the only reason I'm putting this is my, my kind of that middle, Georgia Southern. I think traveling to the East Coast, always going across two time zones, is terribly challenging. And um, the fact that they'll have played a gauntlet of, I mean, I think it's five, uh, let's see, six um, P5 games before that. I think that could be a really big trap game before going to USC plus traveling two time zones. The last time they traveled two time zones across, they played Coastal Carolina, kind of similar triple option look. Um, And I, depending on how the run defense is this year, that may be one of the toughest games we see. And I'm, I'm not just saying that to, I mean, Georgia Southern is not necessarily a powerhouse in the G5, but um, and as it pertains even to, uh, I guess, their own Sunbelt Conference, but they they just have that time zone factor as well as I, I feel like by that point in the, in the year, they, ha- they don't have the craziest schedule. If you look at Georgia Southern, they play Gardner-Webb, they play FAU, they do get to play Arkansas, but then they get to play Louisiana, Arkansas State, Troy, South Alabama, Georgia State. And then they play Coastal Carolina and Texas State. They they have kind of a um, I don't know not as much of a uh, the challenging schedule I guess that you'd see kind of with some of these other teams here out west with the Mountain West and and some of those other conferences. Um, but I, I think Georgia Southern's number three, and then um, I think I'm going to put Washington State um, towards the top three. I think going to Pullman after playing Baylor the week before. 
um, is going to be a, a really big challenge. Um, and then I'm actually going to put um, Baylor as my second to, um, most difficult game. I think um, it'll be cha- – I don't know. I've, I've been battling between putting them at the low end um, just because I feel like Grimes is kind of rebuilding and reestablishing. I think they'll be like an eight-win team there at Baylor, seven to eight-win team. And I think BYU actually has a good shot at winning that game, but it'll be a challenge. And then ending it off at USC, USC is going to be motivated. I think they're going to win the South this year, even though Utah has uh, had a really like strong going for – for everything that way. I think what Utah's detriment will be against the South with USC is, is their depth. So BYU playing USC their last week, I think they'll have had a lot of playing some of those, um, those teams that I guess are competing against them and they'll be motivated. It, it depends on how Helton's um, team kind of comes together. If they win out and they're really, really motivated, I think it'll be even more challenging if they've had kind of a, a tough pack pack 12 slate, maybe BYU has a chance, but, I still think that's going to be the toughest game. It's They're just a crazy good team. They're fast. And BYU usually doesn't play super great against speed, let alone at their own stadium. That's going to be they, – they have uh, struggled against like the USC's and the UCLA's um, in California and, and done well against them here at home. So I, I think that's kind of my, my breakdown of, of the schedule in, in general. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good breakdown. Um, uh, go so to start the year, it almost feels like at home, like the first full month, because BYU um, with Arizona, that's a neutral site, but it's only a five-hour drive for them, and and then they, so so they I don't know if they'll drive or fly, but but like and from what I'm hearing, it sounds like it might be like 70, 80 percent BYU. Just sounds like everybody and anybody's want to get tickets. I know I have tickets um, with my laws, and I'm looking forward to going. Just kind of having ties. To both schools, um, it would be, be cool to see. I I feel like Arizona is always more fun to watch in basketball season because they're actually good. But um, but yeah, yeah it'll be. Um, but yeah, so you you have that neutral one, and then you have host BYU, host Arizona State, host SF. So I'm thinking BYU should be going into the Utah State game two and two. The Aggies, I have predicted on my site that I I think um, that that we go two and two. I think it'd be really hard to go three and one or four and zero, oh, just because Washington State that's a a, a P five team, and then Air Force is not not easy. Boise State is definitely not easy. So so I think um, it's possible that both teams are going in two and two and are playing to see who can get that momentum, get the winning record, and that'll be BYU's first road game. And but but you know, honest like. Yeah, it's going to definitely feel like a road game because, I mean, if, if you've been to BYU versus Utah State games, I think you, you went there first semester, you know that a lot of the Aggies don't really like BYU. I mean, there are some people like yourself that have ha- kind of wear the, the BYU even even if you're going to Utah State. So I'm, I'm sure there will be plenty of BYU fans there. But I feel like it's the first game um, that it's going to feel like a road environment because I feel like – I mean, that conference weekend and everything, I don't know. And also, like, I mean, I'll be in St. George, but I'll, I'll definitely be watching it. I'm going to be doing the marathon or half marathon that weekend. But but anyways, I th- I think that, that 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 might be a little bit underrated of a test. That's why I, I had, just to explain what, that's why I had the Aggies um, as a little bit of a, a higher one. But I, I do think that just the – back half of the schedule is going to be brutal because 
I mean, after they go at Utah State, they, they get Boise State at home, but then they go at Baylor, at Washington State, and then they host um, Virginia and Iowa State. And, and so that'll be fun to see Bronco come back. But then, yeah, at Georgia Southern and at USC. So, like, a lot more of the road games in the back half of the schedule. So I can kind of see your point how, yeah, they're not having to travel as much, so there won't be as much jet lag that, that first month. But, it, like, if they if they make a run and, and only have one loss after, like, Utah State and Boise State, like, let's say Utah is their only loss because, I mean, that's almost – until they prove otherwise, it seems like you can pencil that in as a loss. But <laughs> – but um, but if they make a run that first half and they're really going to grind it out, if they want to have a special season, they're going to have to pull out some good wins in the back half. What what are your thoughts awesome. about that? No, no, I agree one hundred percent. And I was actually just noticing they do have a two week break between Georgia Southern and Idaho State, and I think that was strategic. I think they get worried when they have these games one week in Provo and then they have to travel in seven days to the East Coast. That's going to give them an, an extra long time, 14 days in between playing on the West Coast here. And I mean, the Midwest, kind of West Coast, Mountain West. I don't know what you call us anymore. It kind of feels like we're right in the Rockies, middle of yeah. The Rockies. But um, traveling from here to Georgia Southern and then traveling all the way back to USC. I still think that's going to be a challenging game. I, I think Utah State will be challenging. Um, I, I don't think it'll be what I think it would have been last year had they played. I think it would have been a, a major blowout last year had they played. Yeah. There was just a lack of there. energy. <laughs> yeah. And even, I mean, the game, was it two years ago when it was, it didn't feel really yeah. close the whole time. Um, yeah. I, the Aggies might have had an advantage because um, Darren Hall got injured, but I mean, BYU had such a, they had such a, a deep quarterback room and I think they still do. So I think, I mean, in that game, um, quarterbacks always, to get injured. So if BYU is going to pull it out, they're going to have to make sure their second and third string are just as up to par as their first because it's, it's likely that we'll see um, a, a couple quarterbacks that night if, if history is repeating itself. Absolutely. My, my overall ideal schedule or ideal record for the year, like I said, I think BYU should be a nine-win team. I think uh, they have the potential with the people that have come in, um, the depth Sorry, is quarterback. That Sorry, is that including the bowl game or not including the bowl game? Before the bowl game, sorry. I think okay. I think regular season schedule should be like nine and three at a minimum. Um, I think a lot of people said eight and four uh, is like the the even line, and so I I really think BYU to perform above even to perform above average and to have a successful season would have to win nine games. Um, I think they're going to be a nine or ten win team. And so I think one of those losses um, does come between that Baylor and Washington State, Virginia in the middle. And I think the other loss comes at USC, like I mentioned. I don't know. I, I, there's, there's a couple there at the beginning that could be tricky between BYU and Arizona playing and BYU and Boise State. That six-game stretch, if BYU comes out of there 6-0, and I think for sure they're a 10-win team. If BYU comes out of there with one loss – I think that's whatever their one loss is, and then one, two more in that back end. Um, I really kind of hope they go six and zero right through there. You know what I mean? Just they're all not far proximities. Use the momentum they had last year, get a really good chemistry, stay healthy, and then go to go to Baylor healthy, kind of like playing at Houston last year when they were undefeated going into Houston, and that that was a challenging game. They were down the whole the whole first half, and then fought back and I, I think if Baylor could become that if they beat Baylor and went seven and oh I'd, I'd be kind of feeling like 
I'd be living high, I guess, is, is the best way to say it. And I think BYU could come out with a really maybe a one or two loss season if they can get that far. But, yeah, I'm really excited for the, the beginning half because it is at home. I'm a little nervous for the, the second half of the schedule as a lot of it's away and a lot of it is against some really talented teams, um, whether in the past with history or currently talented. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so let, let, let's let's definitely – Let's talk about it because I mean I, I I like to kind of group it into there's there's two parts of the season. Well, I mean there's a lot of different parts, but uh, like the P5s and the G5s, like like so the P5s you got Arizona, um, Utah, Arizona State. So like you got a smorgasbord of the Pac-12 there, and then you you got Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, and you, that's more P5 teams than I think BYU has ever played. So like. If they're gonna get a nine-win season, like how 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 many losses do you think that that they'll have to to power five teams? I think it's either two or yeah, I don't know. I I really the only loss I see them having against uh, P five teams are the USC, the Baylor, Washington, and Virginia. So I guess my three losses would all be against P five teams, and so four and three I guess would be the overall. At a worst, they went four and three against the P5s, which I think their tendency is to have a losing record. Their best records were 2016 when they went three and three against the P and five, P5s, when they should have beat um, they should have beat Utah. They should have just gone for the extra point and tied it up, but whatever. And then the other game against West Virginia back there, uh, I think it was at Arrowhead Stadium or somewhere back there where 2016. So you think yeah. that the, the Virginia, Washington state and USC are like the toughest ones there. I think it, it's a smorgasbord, honestly, because I think USC is definitely the toughest, but then the, the next P five loss would come between that gauntlet of Baylor, Washington state, Virginia in my book. Oh yeah. And row. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Yeah. I think, I think it comes in that area with that loss and it could be at Baylor. I really hope it's not at Baylor. Um, I think the most likely, unfortunately, is Washington State because of Rolovich. Um, I think for some reason he has BYU's number, whether it's been his history with Hawaii or whatever it be. But I think Washington State, even though they struggled, I think there's going to be some challenges there. It's either going to be Washington State or Virginia is my gut. But, I, I mean, it could be anywhere in there. And then, yeah. I, like you said, Utah could be the one at the top. It could be Arizona State. I really hope that BYU beats Arizona and Arizona State. And then that Utah game, Utah's really great this year. So I'll just be happy if they, they keep it close, honestly. So Yeah, and Arizona State's got a lot of like um, headlines, negative headlines swirling around them. Um, yeah, I personally think that USC and Baylor, like I was saying earlier, are the ones that I almost might pencil in as losses. Um, and and so, so Washington State, I, I mean, I feel like, Washington State, it doesn't feel like a good program to me yet. I think their offense would be good, but their defense won't be up to par. I, I, I do think that Virginia could be a loss. Um, for me personally, I think if the Cougars can even get an 8-1 season, I think it's still good. I mean, I I mean, I mean, think that if, if they have an 8-1 season, that means they'll have probably at least one or two Im- impressive wins over Power 5 teams like – I mean, that means they'll be at least a couple of the Power 5 team because there's seven on the schedule, so that means they'd be at least three of them. And and, and BYU, it almost seems like the pre-Zach Wilson like hype game last year, 
um, they would see, it seemed like they would upset some teams that were better than them, but then they lose to teams that like they were they were better than like USF and Toledo. So, I mean, going along with that, um, there's five games against um, G5 teams. So there's USF, Utah State, Boise State, um, Idaho State, and Georgia Southern. Um, of those, like, do you see any potential losses, or are you mostly concerned with like the power fives as far as losses go? Mostly concerned with power fives if I keep with my nine and three scheduling, um, like the not scheduling the record. I think if you do see a loss with the G fives, I think it's against Boise State. Um, I don't think South Florida is as good as they were a couple of years back. I don't think BYU should have lost to them then either, but I'm just saying I don't think South Florida will come to Utah to the elevation, to the um, the cold weather. I mean, it's not going to be crazy cold at the end of September, but it, you know what I mean? It's just going to be different elevation more than anything. Um, and I think it's just going to be – it's going to be a challenging game for them. Utah State, like I said, I think BYU wins that one pretty good again. I don't think Utah State's quite to where they can be. It might be a really close game. Coach Anderson might really get the guys pumped up, and he might get the vibe of the rivalry year one. Just the tendency from, I guess, most of these coaches, uh, and except for, I mean, the the one-off is Gary Anderson, um, don't seem to get the handle on the local games until maybe year two, year three. Um, and that's just, I mean, been my perspective. Uh, it seems like Coach Wells had a couple of uh, – a good year at the beginning, really struggled in the middle, good year at the end. Um, and it – but he still was beating BYU and playing BYU really tough every, every year after. Um, and I can't remember exactly. It was 20, 2016 wasn't the year, his first year, was it? Or was that his first so year? So he was 13, so that was the year that um, Chucky Keaton got injured and they won 30. That's right. BYU won 31-14. Then, then the Aggies, we won 14, and then BYU 15-16, and then, and then USU 17-18, and then he went to Texas Tech, and then – yeah, that's went right. Downhill with Gary Anderson. <laughs> that's what I was thinking then. So, like the first year, 2013, it was a 31 14 game, right? He was kind of getting yeah. acclimated. And that was, and then I mean, like just... I said, the, the, the quarterback, whichever team's quarterback gets injured. Like, I know the year after, I mean, Taysom Hill got injured. So, I mean, if, if you kind of reverse that, like if Taysom Hill and Chucky Keaton are healthy, maybe Aggies won 13, but losing 14. So, you never know. Yeah, no, it, it really it is one of those things where injuries can dictate the game. Hopefully, though, I think that's where the one aspect where BYU is, has a leg up on Utah State right now is the depth. I, yeah, I know it's we've a lot talked... more depth. Christian Stewart as the backup is not nearly as good, I think, as Jer- Jaron Hall and <laughs> Baylor Romney. Yeah, Baylor Romney. I mean, I would go with any of the three guys they have right now over Christian Stewart. But then again, Christian Stewart, didn't he take him down to Cal and they beat Cal and had a crazy good game and he had some other games where it was really, really good. And I, I think I, it's just a different team now, a different era with Kalani. I think the defense is better. I think they, they're that bend, not don't break uh, mentality. I think in the middle years, 17, 18, um, when they trucked BYU, it was a mix of two things. Obviously the injuries um, that hit them when Coy Detmer was like their four string quarterback and playing. And then they oh, just yeah. routed us. Because I mean, Jordan Love was a baller. Obviously, he went. Was it number one overall? Number two overall? Uh, he he was in the first round. So your guy Zach first Wilson round. was second overall. But 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 Jordan Love was near the end of the 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 Packers actually traded up to get him. Like I think twenty sixth pick. I think twenty sixth. So, okay. 
I was trying to couldn't remember where they picked Jordan Love. I thought he was like a top top pick, but um, yeah, he was one of the anyways. top. I think he was like one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the draft. I think that um, Herbert and a couple of other guys were um, Tua. Yeah, some of them were ahead of him. Yeah, one thing I have to look towards is the offensive line because if you look at who they lost, I mean they lost the guy who's going to be protecting the blind side for the quarterback in Brady Christensen. So who's going to fill that spot? And it has to be, in my mind right now, you look at Blake Freeland. He's got the biggest hands. He's got the biggest – he's the tallest. He's like the most prototypical left left tackle that you're going to see kind of fill that spot. And then it, it kind of goes down the line. MP is going to be your center. And then you kind of look at Clark Barrington, who has a lot of experience. And you look at um, – uh, sorry, uh, Connor Pay um, and a couple of these other guys that are are really really had experience, um, but not as much like starting reps. But they got a lot of these offensive linemen to rotate, and that's where it's all going to start. You're going to have Tyler Algier, you're going to have the Nakua brothers, you're going to have you. I mean, Gunnar Romney. You're still going to have um, Neil Pau, and if you look down like who they have. There's some people that need to step up in, in roles, but there's also some people who are coming back. And I think maybe that's kind of where my optimism for nine wins is coming from, is who's coming back and the amount of reps they got, even though they weren't in the starting role. Yeah, I think there's a good reason for BYU fans to be optimistic. I think seven and six seasons were okay with Zach Wilson being injured and having a tough season, but I think BYU fans are kind of, Done with that, they they want to be like, okay, in our down year, maybe we are eight and four, but they, they would probably, because I mean, that's how it honestly was before Sataki took over. And there's almost a question of, oh, is Sataki going to be the guy who keeps going? Like, I mean, he 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 went good in 16, but then, yeah, the bad year in 17, he, he fires Ty Detmer, which is tough because he's a um, Heisman guy, but, um, and then rebounds to seven, six, seven, six, but like, you don't want that to be your ceiling, definitely, or like considered like a good season. Even though BYU had some good wins in eighteen nineteen, like over Wisconsin, USC, like that's great and all, but like if you're gonna beat those teams, then I think it's disingenuous to be like, oh yeah, we're gonna beat those teams, but lose to teams that were obviously better than because we just look down on them like, oh, it's chalk with an easy win. So I I think in my opinion, eight win season, I think BYU fans would be fine with, but they'd be like much more satisfied if it's a nine-one season, especially in a, a year with a tough schedule. And and it all and it depends on how the year shakes out. Like if some of these teams like are it, like if Washington State is better than we thought, then yeah, if the or not the Aggies, the Cougars lose to them, but then Washington State Cougars go on and win ten or eleven games, and it's like oh okay, that's not a bad loss after all. So yeah. Well, I, I always look at this, and, and maybe I shouldn't assimilate the two, but the Lavelle Edwards coaching record versus what Kalani's done. And I feel like the reason I continue to go back to show, like, what's Kalani, what track is Kalani on, is because what Lavelle Edwards taught him and everything, it's so weird to me that they kind of follow the same trend. So get this. Lavelle Edwards in 1972, year one with the Cougars, he had a 7-4 and four record. So BYU went 9-4 and four year one under Kalani, right? Year two, Lavelle Edwards in 1973 went five and six. So not very good, right? He has a losing season. And the only difference in this case is Kalani had two um, 
I mean, no, that was the only losing season was 2017, but then it was two seven win seasons. So 1974, seven wins, four losses. 1975, six wins, five losses. And then right after that, he goes 1976, nine and three, 1977, nine and three, 78 through um, 78 was nine wins, 79, 11 wins, 80, 12 wins. And he kind of went on this upward trajectory that he's just been climbing on. And that's where my optimism for Kalani's coming in. He's, he's not to a T, but he's followed this trajectory of Lavelle Edwards pretty darn close. Winning season, yeah. losing season, winning, winning, but not like the best winning. And then like a breakout season. And you just hope that this depth that he's kind of developed uh, allows him to, to really propel. And like you said, never again have a season with less than eight wins. I mean, Lavelle did in 1993 have a six and six season. And then the following year, he went 10 and three again. So it's kind of like he was right back to where he was towards the end. Um, and a few up and down years right at the end, seven and four, 14 and one, six and five, nine and five. And I think those are just kind of the, the changing landscape of college football. But I go to Kalani and I look at this year and with who he retained with a COVID year, being able to have some of those experienced players come back, um, having three quarterbacks that are really deep. I really think nine wins is what they have to hit for me to feel like it was a successful and like they're actually on that trend. Yeah, and yeah, I can I can definitely see that. I think we're pretty close in our um, assessment. But yeah, I think the difference between Lavelle and Kalani is like Kalani's got probably a much tougher schedule. Like we can agree that maybe the whack back then probably wasn't as powerful as like some of the P5 teams that are now. And now, now I know some of those um, teams that were in the whack are now like like Utah is in the pack. But, but yeah, if, if you look at it, they're they're getting much better recruits now. So I think that Kalani can still do it, but it's maybe the road is. I would argue that it's even tougher than it was for Lavelle. And but who knows? Maybe this whole college football playoff expansion could change things. Like if they expand to twelve, then BYU could afford to lose a game, maybe even two games, and still still get an auto bid to make the playoffs. So yeah. Um, well, look at his look at his scheduling. I mean, if you go back to look at kind of what Lavelle had to go through. He played Kansas State, Arizona, San Diego. In the same year, though? You only play one of them a year. This was 1976. So he played Kansas State as a P5, Arizona, who would now be a P5. He played um, Utah, who would now be a P5, Oklahoma State, Arizona State. So there's five P5 teams currently. Plus, like – um, I mean, you have your San Diego State, who always is known for their good defense and having had a rivalry. Um, and then, I mean, Utah State that same year, 1976. Um, but, I mean, not to say that it's a, it's a fairly similar schedule. There's five P5, currently P5 teams. And then if you go to 1977, the Cougars in 1977, so what would be assimilated to this year for Kalani? Uh, let's see if it'll pull back up for me. Um, they had a pretty similar schedule as it pertained to, to who they beat and everything that way. Um, but it was similar, like four five, six in that range of P fives. Um, let's see, Arizona state, um, Utah, Arizona. Let me see if it'll pull up the rest of them. There's already three Oregon state, Kansas state again. So there's their five. So they, they've had these similar seasons, similar type seasons, um, 
under him. And that, that I guess I assimilate the trajectory too much possibly, but it's kind of crazy how it all lines up. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. But anyways, as it pertains to, to BYU this year, I'm really excited. I, I think we're both pretty optimistic for what could be for this season. It's just good to get back to the stadiums to be able to watch football and, and enjoy that way. But um, any other things you want to cover about away games at Baylor, Washington State, um, any other teams that way? Uh, n- not really. I think we're about good on, on time here. Um, I, I do want to say we, we did talk a lot about Utah State, but if, 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 if you want to listen to more about the specifically BYU versus Utah State, make sure to listen to Tuesday's podcast. And we're still working to finalize um, like uh, guests. Like, who knows, Jake? Um, we might we might give you another invite. Where where I've been talking to some former Aggie players, or because um, yeah, we definitely want to get some Aggie representation on the podcast as well as you know the 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 teams. Like being being a rival, I thought it might might be nice to balance it. Like have a couple Aggies and maybe maybe a Cougar or two on 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 this one because the past couple of weeks, if if you go back and listen, like. I had a, a, a Boise fan, if you follow a baller on, on Twitter. And then before that, my friend Force 21 helped with the Air Force. And then I found like a, a North Dakota fan and Wazoo fan. And, and, and those ones are a little bit harder because like um, not, I'm not really close to like those fan bases as I am to like, you know, we see Boise State and Air Force every year. So so I, I, at first I was wondering that I'm going to be able to find like a legit like fan but but there are actually some pretty like people that are like knowledgeable like the north dakota guy has had like lived in north dakota his whole life like by the north dakota fighting hawks and so so that that's so that was cool so i'm definitely excited that that's kind of how we're doing it on the aggie podcast i i really think it's cool what you're doing like you never know what you're gonna get week. i think just talking about football is is is, is fun and we'll continue to do that and then and then, yeah, you, uh, you get a double dose of, of BYU um, because we'll be talking about BYU and the Aggie podcast. And it'll be interesting to see BYU fans might want to know a little bit more about the Aggie team, like what they can expect. Um, in my opinion, I think the Hurt em Up 22 campaign, like that's like this hashtag that they have. Like they're really gunning for like they've gotten some good P5 transfers. And I think they're really gunning for next year to be like uh, a really good year. So, I mean – we want to do good this year, but like we, we, you, you were at the spring game with me. We there, there's there's some holes, and they're they're hoping to cover them up. But I, I don't know if it'll happen in one season. But definitely excited for see some improvement, better than one win, and then hopefully more. But yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Um, that Friday night in Logan. Um, just uh, as a record. Um, I mean, and then and then I'll let you guys go and um and listen to to it on Friday, but. Um, in the last decade, BYU's won six and lost four games to the Aggies. I mean, before that, they went 17 years without a loss. But um, I think of out of all the losses, um, I know three of them were in the month of November. So I'm a little optimistic that it's not in November and at the end of the season where the Aggies are just like, oh, let's just get this over with. And, and they, they lose. Um, I think they're fresher and, and less injuries and and so, yeah, the last couple of wins have been in either the end of October or at the end of September, beginning of October, like that conference weekend that they like to schedule it during. So 
I think that'll be fun to see. Um, I think we it's scheduled out until 2026. So excited to see, I mean, the two blue, the blue bloods of the state battle it out for the wagon wheel. Absolutely. I think it'll be interesting for Utah State coming off that Boise State game and seeing how they respond. Um, if they win, obviously, then their response will be different going into the BYU game. If they lose, uh, I mean, it's Boise State at home this year. So hopefully that, that gives us a little bit. But I'd love to join you, whether it's me or somebody else on the Aggie podcast for Big Blues Day. Um, it'll be a great pod to go check out. So um, for us, though, here on Cause Monday, we are su- super grateful that you took some time to listen. Um, go Cougs, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.